0: it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
1: Welcome in to a winning edition, post game number five of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 1053 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside, Shap Shots d magazine new book out we win here the story of the texas stars some amazing stories to tell in that book he's sean shapiro how are you man i'm
2: feeling good tonight that was a fun one that was a fun one it was uh it's been a this series has been so weird right in a good way where each time you other than the game one overtime game it's been just whoever you kind of it's been a blowout and I mean, not a blowout, but just like stylistically, it's been a blowout each game. And once again, like the stars tonight, really, they put the, they kind of put the foot down and they they set the tone for the game early. And then they didn't really, even with the Seattle goals that, that even though Seattle scored, it was never like this game felt like it was in question. And that was a, you talk about like a response game and, and, and a place where you can, almost follow the script from the Minnesota series. And that's kind of what it was.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, the first five minutes I was just totally dialed into this game. Both teams going back and forth, heavy hits, great emotion on both sides. Both teams had real good chances. And once again, I said, this is a Dallas stars kind of game. I think, I think when you look at this game, Sean, you know, probably late in the first through most of the second minus, uh, you know, the beginning of the second of uh, just for a minute or two, but I felt as though, you know, when Seattle can shrink the rink, I think that's where they're most effective that deep four check, keeping it in the zone, you know, finding those chances. But as the, uh, you know, as things spread out, I just think the stars truly show how much better of a team they are.
2: Yeah. It's, And it's it's when uh, it's when the stars are able to allow like the top line tonight is obviously going to get a lot of the attention and rightfully so. But that's where that's where one of the big it's kind of the stars lines two through three, two through four. It's like Seattle's line one through four. And this it's just where it shows where when you can have the 50-50 battles and your depth lines can win or break even like the, um, like the Fox align did at five on five. And I thought the Fox line was very good. Roddick scored yeah, the really at the good. end, but, but when, when those lines can win those battles, Seattle doesn't have an answer for the, hence Pavelski Robertson line. And I think that's where the difference goes, where you're winning the little battles with each of the other three lines. And then you have an all-world line that Seattle has no answer for, and that to me is where it starts to all kind of. That's the difference between like I I know people like to say it's the ultimate team game and and, and you win it win in the playoffs as teams, but like you don't win this other than maybe the Blues in 2019. Can you think of a Stanley Cup champion that didn't have? A superstar player that didn't have a big guy like, I and mean, even the Blues in 2019, they had Tarasenko and and O'Reilly, but like it's, it's like this time of year, as much as the team game is important, you need to have the big guns that ride into town and win a game like that. And Seattle yeah. doesn't have that, and Dallas does.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wyatt Johnston got things going. I still can't believe he's 19 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, watching the deep dive on that goal, just the space he creates, always looking at the puck, where it's coming from stick is always in position, a great, you know, it was deflected off, a, a Seattle tried to push it to the boards, went right to Jamie Ben, nice little bounce. Jamie Ben didn't hesitate real nice pass to Wyatt Johnston. And, uh, just, you know, that line continues to produce, but just watching Johnston move throughout that, uh, goal from side to side, it was just impressive to watch.
2: Yeah. We've talked a lot before about, uh, the why Johnson's routes. We talked about one of the things, one of the reasons he's in the NHL is how he, uh, is, is how smart he is with his play away from the puck and the routes he runs, Um, and a lot of the times I'm talking about routes, I'm talking about the zone entries and I'm talking about the play through, um, setting up like the, like he had the play in the third period, right? Where he hit the post. And that's a really good route play coming to feed off the pass and everything. But the goal in the first period, it's a very simple thing where if I, I took a freeze frame of it, there's a spot where Ben has the puck right near the goal line and Johnson's right between the two guys, the two cracking defenders a lot of younger players stay in that spot Uh and it's, it's not a bad thing. They stay in that spot, but it's, it's a spot where it forces more of a quick jam pass from Ben and it doesn't open things up. Johnston with the slight, he reads plays so well, like in that, in that, in that spot, he just, it's, it's the slight drift of a foot and a half that opens up everything that opens and everything. And those are the things that this is the reason that, you marvel and say he's only he's only 19 because those are the things that a 19-year-old is not supposed to do in the NHL. That he's not supposed, he's supposed to pinch in. He's supposed to get overly wrapped up. Instead, he does the opposite of what conventional thinking is for a lot of younger players, and that's why he was a 20-goal scorer in the NHL this year. That's why he's scoring big goals in the playoffs now. And it's, it's a play that uh, uh, Jack Hahn, I gotta give credit to Jack Hahn, who does a, uh, he's a Jack's a former um, Marley's video coach, Toronto Marley's video coach. He does some really good uh, individual independent analysis now who has a really good. um, Jack's isolated this play before where the stars run that play quite a bit with, with Ben below the goal line and Johnston basically going in or out to the slot and, and, and and, and creating kind of the, uh, the backboard for Ben to pass to, And it's like, that line but the the combination Ben and Johnston have is great like it's yeah. funny like the only the only, the only thing that you almost wish if you could like slightly change the narrative is be like if Wyatt actually lived with Joe with with Ben instead of Joe Pavelski <laughs> like that's the it's it's funny like one of the only quote-unquote problems with the line is like you wish you could be like oh well he actually lives with Jamie and it's but it is they they do they do all live in like the same area, so I'm sure that Jamie has uh, made the occasional trip over to the Pavelski residence, and uh, they, they've talked things over that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was tweeting out the following: I can no longer believe Wyatt Johnston is just 19, and then I wrote because it happened before I finished writing. Let me add: I can't believe Thomas Harley is only 21, playing mm-hmm. like NHL vets because uh, Harley, uh, streaking down and a terrific pass to rope a And just that shot of hints. Wow. Um, you know, going over Grubauer like he did. And I-, I was just so impressed. Uh, and I continue to be impressed by the composure of Harley. I continue to say it on each podcast. I can't believe this is the same Thomas Harley we saw last year What unbelievable development in Texas to come up like he has not be with the team for the season and just the composure, you know, I mean, Sean, this is, this is like a trade deadline acquisition. This is just so nice.
2: His transition and what he adds is the uh, it's what the stars have been missing. Um, And a lot of the John Klingberg departure was uh addition by subtraction because it allowed Miro Heshkinen to really take the lead and everything like that. But one of the things that the stars really struggled with and Nils Lundqvist never seized it and no one else ever really did was the the, the defenseman who was going to be the second end to end puck mover when needed to follow up Miro Heshkinen. And we saw it. I mean, it was, it's, it's easy to use goals to highlight things. And so I will like, that's a hundred and seventy-five foot play to set up Hince's uh mm-hmm. goal that no one else on the stars defense makes, other than Hishkinen. Uh if it's Esselandell, if it's Yanni Haakenpah, if it's if it's Joel Hanley, that play either ends ten feet into it, where it's a little pass to a forward, or he as soon as he crosses the blue line, he's dumping the puck in. Or maybe he's taking it and maybe he even gains the blue line. Like maybe at occasional time Hockenpah does do something like that. He gains the blue line and then he just tees up a big shot. And that's it. Like that's a play other than Hishkin and no one else on the stars defense makes that play. And that's something that this team was really lacking without Harley because now it's not all on Miro to be the puck mover. It's Mm -hmm. on, you have, you have a player like Thomas Harley's, their second best defenseman. I know his minutes aren't, his minutes are still being, Monitored and treated like, um, let's see what is what was his time on ice tonight. uh I mean, the fact that it's getting better, like it's up to sixteen twenty two. Like, yeah. other, like the fa- but he's their second best defenseman. I mean, he, he and and that's something where it's it's going to be. I really like seeing what he's seized and man, he's so confident. It's 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 it's, it's fun to watch now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we go to the second period. Stars had a couple odd man rushes. The first one, uh, Jason Robertson tried to pass it. It was broken up, but uh, that line just continued all night to press. Robertson finds a trailing Pavelski uh, three, nothing Joe Pavelski. Most goals in a series, 38 years old or older. I feel like every game we're getting a new Joe Pavelski stat. He has seven since he's uh, in this series, passing Timu Solani, who did it in 2011, and the Chief, Johnny Busick, who did it in 1974. So another stat for Joe Pavelski as he continues to rack him up.
2: It's incredible. I mean, it is. He had, (laughs) he's got seven goals and he's, he's only played, I mean, he's effectively only played five full games because I I have a hard time counting game one from the Minnesota series as a, as a full game for him. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. It's the, the goal tonight too, is like, you see where, no matter who he plays with, he's going to have success, but he's, Joe Pavelski isn't fast, but the, his goal tonight is such a classic right spot, joining the play a little bit later because he doesn't have the same foot speed and finishing in a way where it's, that's the way he finishes around the net. Um, even though it, it doesn't have to be someone shooting from the point, he knows where to go, what to do. It's, 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 it's really impressive. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to like, like you don't want to, you, like you want to give, it's, it's hard to find any criticism in anything Joe Pavelski has done. Like, and it's amazing to see this. And I've said it before, especially like we talked after the four goal game and everything like that. He hasn't just beaten the aging curve. He's broken the aging curve. Like, it's not like, it's not like this is who he was as a, it's not like Joe Pavelski was having this type of production as a 33, 34 year old. Like he's having more production as a 38 year old. Like this is not, this is the, it's, we often talk about guys who beat the aging curve. We talk about like an Ovechkin or something like that, and and it's we talk about Ovechkin that way because Ovechkin just has never had the decline. Pavelski's had increases in his offensive ability, <laughs> like as he's gotten older, and it's like yeah, it's, it's I don't know, it's like the Benjamin Button of hockey, right? So right, right, uh...
1: absolutely, And and I wonder of that first line chemistry because both and Robertson, you know, they let's just say they they know the old man's trailing. So they know that option is there regardless. And they know he's going to be in the right space.
2: Yeah. It's they it's there's real chemistry with that line. And we saw tonight, I think, I mean, he didn't score probably should have, but we saw Jason Robertson. Yes. He looked like regular season, Jason Robertson tonight. He had the three assists. Um, I thought he really manipulated space really well. He didn't look nearly as lost as he has been. And it's, I frankly don't like that it took them having to reunite the top line for it to happen. As I said, multiple times, I wanted Jason Robertson to pull himself out of this himself, but you got it done and now you just build on it going forward because he, he definitely, he looked more like himself tonight.
1: What did you think of two things? What did you think of Hockenpah re being reinserted into the blue line? As well as Kivi Ranta moving up rather than tied DeLandria.
2: Um, I didn't mind the. I mean, Hockenpah coming back. I didn't mind it um, conceptually. I, I don't, I don't mind making. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they took Miller out. I mean, if, if someone was going to come out, I'm happy they took Colin Miller out and not Joel Hanley. I would have been if yeah. they would taken. Joel Hanley out, I think that would have been a mistake, especially after how Hanley had played with Harley last game. So I didn't, I didn't mind Hockenbach coming in. Um, he scored two games ago, and obviously goals aren't the, the most important thing, but I thought he came in. I thought he had a good Yanni Hockenbach game, if that makes any sense, right? Like where he was solid enough, uh, was out there, for more positive things than negative things, and was and he didn't really have any like in his and he didn't look he didn't look slow um, and he had looked slow at times earlier in this series and I do wonder if there was a energy benefit there for Hockenbaugh having not played in Game Five of being able to kind of keep pace a little bit more of. You know, I know he was coming. I know he missed the last game because of injury, but I do wonder if the reset also gave him a bit of the energy reset he needed too, because he didn't look nearly as slow as Seattle and made him look slow earlier in the series on, on, on Ranta, I, I mean, it's, I, I think you gotta, they're going to have to juggle and figure out what works and what doesn't. I mean, um, Ranta to me is he's an interesting player because I think, um, at least the coaches don't treat him this way, but I think from a fan narrative, people get overly, uh, they, they remember the, the hat trick to yeah, send absolutely. the team and, and, and everything like that. But that's not who Kivirant is. He's never right. been, he's never been a goal scorer. And sometimes he'll get put in those spots where he gets elevated to a second line role and things like that. And I, I just don't think that's his, his spot. I don't think that's his game. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I think it worked tonight. I, I don't think it, I don't think it, I don't, I mean, you can't say anything didn't work tonight. It was a pretty solid overall performance by the stars, but I also, I think Delanger probably would have been more effective in the spot Kiviranta got if you want to nitpick there.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
2: A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: All right, we got some uh, Twitter questions that we want to get to. David Miller Thanks so much for listening, David. We have a great goalie, but he was drafted late in the first round. If I remember right, that was the first one taken. You are correct. Uh, if they are so valuable, why aren't they drafted high like QBs and pitchers? Just curious. It is a good question,
2: Sean. Hold on. you cut, you. cut I think we actually cut out there for a second. Say that one more time.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He is wondering... Um, with Jake Ottinger being taken in the first round and his value, if they are so valuable, why aren't goalies drafted high like QBs and pitchers?
2: Well, I mean, for every Jake Ottinger, for every success story, I mean, it's like look where, look where goalies are drafted and you look at the history, goaltending is. I, I get the QBs and pitchers comparison because it's actually one of the best comparisons from a positional standpoint. They both have, they're very specialized individual coaches, everything like that. Um, obviously control the game in ways that really QBs and pitchers do, but goalies are, they don't mature. Um, they, they all are very, Goalies are goalies are voodoo is kind of the quote unquote is the quote unquote line we sometimes hear, where where um, and we see for all of for every Ottinger for every Vasilevsky that gets taken in the first round we see situations Dallas saw firsthand we saw what happened with Jack Campbell we see um, the amount of goalie prospects the Stars have had that have not panned out the Phil DeRoziers the Colton Points um, yeah. The you're not, it truly is a gamble and a crapshoot. And you, when it comes to making value picks in the first round, especially with how good scouting is across the across every NHL team now, you want to make sure your first round pick is a player. Um, and with a goalie you're buying scratch-off tickets with skaters you're most of the case now you're not doing that first round skaters you know that guy is going to play in the NHL um, and that's really one of the biggest reasons so for a goalie to clear to for a goalie to go from being a, a scratch-off ticket where you don't know to being a sure thing they really have to be a special prospect that's why they're not that's why that's why the first round goalie is such a rare thing um, and it's why when there is one, there's usually maybe one in the draft class, which is why Dallas, when Ottinger was in Ottinger's draft, it's the reason Dallas traded up to get him, um, because like, um, it's, it's, it's really a position that also matures at a different way too. It's, 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 it's something that is, I think, pitchers and quarterbacks, um, pitchers. You have you're throwing a baseball, and obviously you're going to have a higher level of competition when you go pro. And I don't know everything about baseball pitchers, so anyone who's if I apologize to anyone if I'm if I'm insulting any of the profession, but baseball pitchers at least I feel like there's more of a control factor of we know that this success will translate. Where goaltending success, we it's harder to also determine whether that's going to translate to the pro level.
1: I was going to think of an answer in 2017, 2018, I believe. uh, Jake Ottinger played for Team USA in the World Juniors. He did not start. He was not the Mm -hmm. main goalie. Um, And I believe on Canada's side was, at that time, Stars goalie prospect Colton Point, who you mentioned. So I thought that was interesting. Um, because I, I remember those world juniors and I remember, you know, wanting Jake Ottinger to get in there and he wasn't the primary goaltender. So it just shows that you're right. Some develop and, uh, and some don't, some don't, but a very good question and uh, really appreciate that. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's see. BRMJ at BRMJ 99. Why do you think the fourth line played so well tonight? Playoff Radic Fox, Sean. Yep is one of my favorites, regular season, Radek Foxa grinds on me. (laughs) And I don't know if, you know, the quote unquote, the ice gets smaller in the playoffs. What he showed tonight and just the tenacity in these games. And I was really happy that he got that empty netter. Yeah. By the way, sidebar not to get off. If that, Puck doesn't go in, Sean. Do they automatically call it a goal? Because if you watch the replay, I believe Jaden Schwartz throws his stick to try to stop the puck.
2: I I hope they would have done it because that would have been yeah. the right thing. And it's definitely okay. something that I think I don't, the know, stars if, I don't know if people yeah, pick that up. Yeah, I, I think it would have. I, I hope they would have. I now luckily we don't have to we don't have to worry about that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah but I I think Foxa was, I mean, for me with, with Fox's game, there's been a, and he, they played together in the regular season. So it's, it's, it's not the, it's not the, it it doesn't excuse the regular season, but like, I think there's playoff Foxa, And then I think, Luke Glendening also hits another has also hit another level in the playoffs too. And I think those two have pushed each other quite a bit. And uh, I mean, it's the other thing too, is like, it's the, that, that pair is, has become downright annoying to play with. And they've played with a couple different wingers based off injury and things like that. But those two together have formed a really good little tandem on that line.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Luke. Luke Glenn Denning, you know, he's one of those wily vets that seems to be able to, like many can, just uh, just turn it up a not, notch. Uh, Ronald at Scantron Ron, good uh, username. The eye test shows Yanni Hockenpah struggled tonight. What were your guys' thoughts on his play? I thought he was okay. I didn't. I didn't see anything. I mean, what'd you think?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I thought he. I said earlier, I thought Hakanpaa yeah. was. I thought he was. I thought he had a good Yanni Hakanpaa game. Yeah, he didn't really. He didn't. He didn't do too much offensively, but you never really expect much from offensively. And he was out there for more positive things than negative. And I thought his energy, I thought, as I said, I said this earlier, I thought not playing game five, he looked, he, he didn't look as slow. So. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, let's see. Billy at Mr. Oh nine Bray 74. When will opposing teams stop concentrating on robo or better question? When will they get tired of Rope and Pav scoring? I mean, You know, the reality is, is I think you have to concentrate on the whole line. It's not just one person because, you know, if you concentrate on Robo, you're going to open up hints and Pavelski. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think I'd answer the question. I was just glad to see Robo back in the mix. I agree with you, Sean, even when that top line wasn't scoring, I thought he was skating. Well, what I saw out of Robertson that you mentioned so eloquently on that last podcast that we did was the pause and Robertson um, you know, and tonight I kind of saw that and I was like, Oh wow, that's a great point by Sean bringing that up because I I could tell that it's almost like it was a breath of fresh air for Robertson. And he was just playing Jason Robertson hockey.
2: He was. And like, as one of the things, one of my pet projects from the playoffs has been just looking at, at zone entries. Right. And, one of the things about Robertson tonight, just if you want like a micro stat example of how things went like in the first period, in the first period tonight, uh, Jason Robertson had Jason Robertson was part of individually was responsible for four zone entries where they were just dump ins. After that, the rest of the night, uh, he was personally responsible for, th- for, for, hold on I get my numbers here four four entries for the rest of the night all all three of those where he was carrying the puck in with possession another one where he was on the receiving end of the passing play in like it's just if you want like a little micro example of a game of him getting stronger as the game went on and him doing things that we haven't seen him do early in the series. It's it's little things like that, and I'm sure if we could get some of the other data that that would it's impossible to track, we'd see some of that other stuff too. I mean, it's I I really like if you're if you're a Stars fan, this is really you look at this as the turning point of like okay, this is uh and, and, and it, obviously you still have to close out Seattle, but you have to close out Seattle, but this is the type of game where if the big thing happens at the end of this whole thing that you really want to happen, this is the type of game where you look back and you think, Hey, game five against Seattle, Chase Robertson found his game. And then everything changed. Like this is the type of thing where you, now he could disappear again in game six and can complete a non-factor. But if this is the turning point, it can be a turning point for some very potentially good things for the stars.
1: Flowee ass at Floweezer fifty five with games mid May and possible June. How's the ice at the AAC?
2: They actually do a pretty good job. Um, It's you ready? Something's kind of funny actually. The ice. This uh, I I think his name is Cody. I got to double check, but the uh, the old ice manager who ran the ice at the AAC. I'm ninety nine percent sure his name is Cody. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. Uh, he's from Seattle. He went to Seattle before uh, when, when, when climate pledge arena opened last year, the, or in last the prior season, they hired him away from Dallas to uh, run the ice operations in Seattle. So if uh, to give you an idea, so if the ice is, is run so well in Dallas that the, (laughs) that the expansion franchise who could hire anyone to build their ice, hired him away and, from what I've heard, the ice in the AC has still been good. They, they do a really good job. They do a really good job with the ice there. Um, the building is also um, one that is conducive to good ice conditions. And I'm not going to pretend to be a scientist on this. I've just been told that. So I, I don't have the science to back that up. But I've been told that the building sets up well for keeping it colder basically uh to uh to 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 deliver the uh to to deliver good ice um so uh it's not it's funny because like you look back and you talk to and this is probably a question you should ask 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 luds on 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 a later episode of just ask him about reunion uh ice conditions in june and may because i've heard some stories about how much nicer the late season ice, got After after the new building, after they changed buildings. In this oh, really? Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'll definitely. I've asked him about the old Boston Gardens, and he just threw out like five straight swears because, <laughs> you know, they're battling the Bruins, and all of a sudden they have to stop play and they have to like do like a what you know what would be the equivalent of a, a free skate where they all just skated around the ice to lift the fog. Um, but Ludge just has these theories about the old Boston garden that he's like, you know, during the summer, they made it really hot in the locker rooms. You know, it's just, you know, they didn't turn the heat on during the winter. It's just all these great garden stories. So I'll ask him about reunion compared to the AAC. Uh, all right. Uh, Charles, uh, at Charles D ward says more hardly on the rush. Hey, we agree, Charles. Uh, not a question, but obviously, right? Also, Foxa harnessed your slander from a while back and <laughs> saved it for these playoffs. <laughs> not really any questions, but I really do appreciate this podcast after every game. Thanks, guys. Stars and six. <laughs> I, I wish uh, I could I, take I, credit.
2: I have a funny Roddick story just that's gonna prove that he pays no attention to anything. Uh, and I love I love Roddick Foxa. He's a uh, he's a big uh, he's a big Dortmund guy. Uh, first. He's a big soccer fan. We always, you ah. know, I, I always talk about that. He's he's also one of the Roddick is the most superstitious, one of the most superstitious hockey players I've ever been around. Um, Whenever this, he has to have, for example, he has to have a seat in the locker room that views the clock. Like the equipment guys know when they're setting up a locker room in the road arena, they have to make sure that Roddick's stall has a clear view of the clock because it's part of his superstition and all of that stuff. Uh, but he also does not read or listen to anything else outside. Um, when I him and I were when I talked to Roddick later in there he 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 doesn't know where I've worked or written forever in the entirety of the time I've covered him. I've covered him for a decade. and Roddick Fox said, doesn't know where I've ever written once. so to give you so <laughs> as much as as much as I as much as we could love to uh, claim that uh, maybe we had something like, he lives in his own world in a good way. His consumption in the media world, the only way he would ever see it is who's in the Czech media. So uh, so unless there's a Czech uh, Dallas Stars podcast out there, uh, <laughs> uh, Roddick's not listening to it.
0: <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: Hey, it's Spits and Suds, everyone. We're doing a, a celebratory uh, post game, So uh, thank you so much for uh, listening, and thank you so much for your comments. It's so great that you guys are playing along. This has been uh, a ton of fun. So, So Saturday, Sean, you know, they really screw with us. I mean, hey, let's start the games at 8.50 during the week, and then on a Saturday in Seattle when it should be 8.50 and everyone will be okay with it you know what let's start it nice and early for you
2: it's uh i, I it's a weird so I, the start time actually is it's a short turnaround really short turnaround right because it's going to be the 7 p.m or sorry this so if it starts six in central time so it's actually a 4 p.m start in seattle right roughly i think yeah. is, so it's a 4 p.m start in seattle it's it's a game setting where with the quick turnaround, I it's I actually wonder if it benefits Dallas, and this is just a theory. Where obviously it's going to be a six o'clock start for Dallas players who are used to playing there, and um, but the four o'clock start for Seattle, that's that's afternoon nap time. I mean, honestly, like they're they they're they're, they're 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 starting this game and. and I very, almost every NHL player, almost without fail, their pregame routine includes some sort of afternoon nap. It's just like the, it's, it's a bunch of nappers. That's what NHL players are. And so the, uh, the four, the four o'clock start local time for in in Seattle, that's, it's almost like the, it's almost like the perfect, uh, maybe it's the perfect storm of uh setting for a team that's having to go in Dallas's case, having to go West and, and, and have a little bit of it. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous, man. Just the whole to go from the 850 to I know. to now to, to go with this, with the, that start time in Seattle. It's, it's almost like they're, it just, I just, I know why it's happening. I know it's TV based, but it's almost like if I, you were to ask me like, Oh, Hey, design the schedule that, that, that is best possible to piss off fan bases in both both cities in a series. Yeah. This is what I would do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Not to mention the players, because (laughs) we've talked about this. Like, you know, players late night, they're like, oh, okay," But I mean, you know, a game that's moved up into the afternoon. No, thank you. They uh, they do not like it. But, you know, I'm interested to see because it'll be a rock and barn in Seattle. Their backs are up against the wall. But to me, it's like stars got to go you know, open that ice and just go hard because I do not want it coming back to the AAC for a game seven. That would be, uh, uh, that, you know, anything can happen in game seven. So, you know, I clearly, the stars are the better team and they're on a, you know, a flow right now and you could see it in the, in the last game. And just this series, it's amazing, Sean, how much it mirrors the wild series.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, this is the like you go you go there, you go to Minnesota for sorry so you go to Seattle then you went to Minnesota for game six four but you go to you go to Seattle for game six and it's another prime opportunity for closeout Jake Ottinger now Ottinger tonight was Ottinger tonight was good he didn't have to be he didn't have to be great but he was great in the cases where he needed to be but you get a prime opportunity for. Jake Ottinger to go there and close out a team. And this is the mentality that Ottinger has built. And I think it's, it's a really good, uh, you, you talk about uh, kind of following the script for the Minnesota series, but more importantly, following the script for who this guy is in the stars, net. who, yeah. and it's, this is where those stories grow because um, I, 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 we've talked about him before on Jake where there is the, uh, you can tell he's feeling it on nights where he's making the glove save and he's just tossing the puck right to the dot, like right back. Just like, just a, like a get that out of here type mantra. And you're, you're seeing that tonight when he was, when he, you saw that a couple nights, a couple times tonight when he made some saves through screens and everything like that. And, it just puts some supreme confidence in the team in front of them. And this team, I think tonight, I think tonight also, not just for I mean, you the confidence from Andre, but I think from the stars tonight too, where there's something to build on when you win games like this while dealing with injuries at the same time. Like you never want guys to get hurt. That's never, never what you want ever. But the fact that, you didn't have marchman tonight which which you don't want to lose a player and but the fact that you lost to you dealt with injury in game 5 with hawkamp out and came out and controlled the game and won you dealt with injury tonight and coming into the game and dating back to last game with marchman i think there's just all these little confidence things that like build into a giant ball of confidence that that is that's going to be a huge factor because you're going to be a huge factor against a desperate Seattle team on Saturday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, earlier in the podcast, we brought up Jake Ottinger and the world juniors in 2017. We always get you the answers here on spits and suds, the guy, he is fellow netminder Sean, Joseph wall, of the Toronto Maple Leafs.
2: I did. I did know that that was uh you want to hear something crazy. I was, um, I was thinking about it the other day there was the from 2016 to 2018 in the uh, for the for the U.S. National Team Development Program it was Ottinger and Wall and basically every and and for those who don't know for a quick 10 second aside U.S. National Team basically the U.S. National Team Development Program is in is in Plymouth Michigan they basically take the best uh 17 and 16 17 and 18 year olds in a residency program and uh and then they also and then they play in the ushl and the for two years the tandem basically playing back playing one game would be joseph wall one game would be jake ottinger back and forth it was looking back on that it was one of those where it's like especially if wall. I mean, I really liked Wall earlier in this series when he came in and and his composure and obviously he helped them help Toronto extend their season a bit. Um, you think you look back on kind of those two guys sharing a net it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, sometimes you need, you want to, you want to know you were seeing something special at the time but you didn't, you didn't know it. Right.
1: Oh yeah. Not only that. I mean, you look at the roster, Caleb Jones, Adam Fox is on that team. Jordan Greenway, uh, Eric Foley, Colin White was on that team. Troy Terry was on that team. Charlie McAvoy, uh, Jack Roslevic, Tage Thompson. I mean, that USA team was stacked. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's uh, that's really cool. All right. Before we go, the NHL, uh, player safety, Um, came out with their rulings today. And for those that did not see nearing the end of the Edmonton Las Vegas game, uh, how would I describe the Petrangelo? (laughs) Uh, basic, basically, uh, it was a really, really tough slash on Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl did not have the puck. And that led in the final minutes, let's just say, to Darnell Nurse dropping the mitts with a Vegas player. And since he dropped the mitts under five minutes, game misconduct, automatic one-game suspension, but he was dropping the mitts to stick up uh, for his teammate. Actually, it was Connor McDavid at first that got into a little tussle. So I wanted to get your thoughts because the NHL did have the right to overrule and allow Darnell nurse to play. And then I was a little surprised that Petrangelo only got one game. So it's one game each wanted to get your thoughts.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't mind. So here's the thing. Like I don't, I have two thoughts on it. Actually. I don't mind nurse getting a game. If the Petrangelo suspension is two games. I don't. I don't. I don't like the. I don't like the equivalency of it because yeah. one clearly, one event clearly instigated the instigator. Right. And that, and that. And that to me. So I don't like that at all. Um. I honestly thought the Petrangelo slash, um. I that should have been, that should have been three. Like Michael Bunting gets three games for yes! his. And how P- Petrangelo gets basically with the exact same violent intent now the only thing is he didn't he didn't he didn't hit him in the head so uh, so but to me that should be that should be 3 games that should be and and I and I hate the I sometimes hate where we overvalue playoff games and suspensions just because it's something we'll be like oh well if that was a regular season probably like if it was if he did that in the regular season he probably gets 3 games honestly but because it's the playoffs and and people they get all player safety gets all of like oh we don't want to give a guy multiple game suspension in the playoffs so because it's a playoff game no it's it's still that that's how you get that stuff out of the game if you wanted to get those type of plays out of the game you give petrangelo and you give petrangelo a five game suspension for that you know what i'm not seeing someone hack like that again just like yeah like, like you talk about the name of the department
1: Exactly. <laughs> you,
2: you, you got me on my soapbox on this now. The the name of that department is the NHL Department of Player Safety. It is not the Department of Discipline, it is the Department of Player Safety. In theory, in theory I say this, the the goal of the department is supposed to make it safer for players. How do we make it safer for players? We get rid of ridiculous two-handed Paul Bunyan hacks. How do we get rid of ridiculous Paul two-handed Paul Bunyan hacks we make the suspension fit the crime that should make that a five-game suspension it's not happening again
1: mm-hmm. yeah I love it so. uh, I, I told I totally agree I don't know who gets the better I mean nurse does eat a lot of uh, ice time Petrangelo is very important for them as well so um you know I, I like it because Stars fans were keeping an eye on that because you know hopefully that one of those teams will be our uh Our uh, opponent in the Western Conference Finals, as we saw Carolina tonight, move on. Um, Amazing what they're doing with some of their injuries. They are in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we'll see who they play, if it's Florida or Toronto. Did want to point out before we uh, go that the Texas Stars uh, start another series tomorrow night. Uh, or actually tonight should i say as we are past midnight <laughs> mm-hmm. as they are at the milwaukee admirals and uh should be a lot of fun that's a good series milwaukee and texas and uh the book is called we win here mm-hmm. and uh, sean has some amazing stories about the texas stars organization and some stories that affect the current dallas stars who were down there at the time so uh so kudos on your book. Hopefully it's a uh, sell. We're selling a lot of copies,
2: but I've been appreciating the plugs and it certainly has been, uh, it certainly, it certainly hasn't hurt. It's been helping. So I'm good with that. <laughs> yes.
1: How much extra for an autographed copy?
2: <laughs> well, uh, so Steven, my, my author on it, Steven and I have been, have been working on getting, uh, trying to get a couple to get some aut- autographed copies by both of us. And then we were going to try to see, uh, we were hoping we don't have this in the works yet, but we were conceptually, we're trying to figure out because we obviously had Curtis McKenzie, right? The forward. So we're trying to see if we can get Curtis on board to, we kind of want to, we don't want to do it in the middle of a playoff run, right? Cause you want to be, yeah. and so we'd like to somehow put together uh, a couple Special edition signed copies that also have the uh, the actual hockey player having signed it in Curtis McKenzie. So, oh that's we'll, uh, that we'll, that's, that's that's awesome. That, that's that's the dream, and we I think we're gonna hopefully get that done. So,
1: right, absolutely. And Sean, I don't know if you heard, I had never heard this Ludwig story. Um, so go back if you guys can, um, to the podcast prior to this. Uh, Craig gives a lot of insight, but then I ask him about the. Uh, getting together with Vinnie Paul about the Pantera theme song, which is now in stars folklore. And he tells that story. What I didn't know is the stars won a series and he gets a call late night from Vinnie Paul that says, be at the airport by 6 AM. They had just won a series. And he's like, what are you talking about Vinnie? And he goes on to tell the story that Vinnie convinced him to get on a plane with Pantera and Metallica and fly down to Mexico because they had a show and then, you know, fly him back. So Craig actually, during the playoffs, left the country for a couple of days and had to call the stars or have someone call the stars. Doug Armstrong was not happy about it. And it's just the way Craig tells stories and it's just It is so Ludwig, but it is uh, awesome. And it was just amazing because remember when Tony Romo went down on a star on a uh, Cowboys bye week, you know, they got crucified when they went down, you know, during off days. And I just said to Craig, if only social media was around, but Lud's story. So that's on the podcast. Uh, So if you go back to the one this week that Craig was on, I just wanted to get that plug in. So All right, my man. Looks like we got a date Saturday night,
2: right? Should be. Uh, it, won't, it won't be nearly as late at night, so it'll be good. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. All right, everyone, continue to spread the word. Thanks for all your support. Once again, the Dallas Stars are one game away from your Western Conference Finals with a massive win tonight over the Seattle Kraken. We will talk to you after the game on saturday night for sean shapiro i'm gavin spittle thank you so much for all the love and support for spits and suds have a great day everyone